It's time again. And I always want to say, Tim, I always want to say, it's time. You know, just like the USC, like my buddy at USC. It's time. Yes, it is time. It is Wednesday. It is time for nofilter.net and snipes and stripes with my good old partner, Tim Peel. Uh, I am Jeremy Roenick, and I'm excited about this show today. And we'll let everybody know we're going to have a fantastic guest that's going to be joining us in a little while. The the man of the hour, the man of the week, and pretty much the man of uh, of, of generations, Chris Chelios, is going to join us in a little while. It's going to be really, really interesting to hear how his weekend went in his shoes. And we have a lot of fun things to talk about tonight. But first, Tim Peel, how you doing, pal? I'm awesome, buddy. I, I don't did you and I both dre- uh, wear black in honor of Chelly because he looked like an absolute stud. He looked like a boss, didn't he? He looked like a boss. Boss. He pulled up in that car. He gave an incredible speech. He looks like a million bucks. I, I'm so jealous. He, I, we're going to ask him about his workouts and the sauna and all that when we get to it tonight. But I'm really excited, and it's uh, it's a pleasure for us to have him. And, I know he's a busy man, so we really appreciate him taking the time. So, But first, I want to uh, thank uh, one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your NHL basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs. With in-game live betting contests and all the best player props, Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use your promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your first 50% welcome bonus discount. Bet Online, the game starts here. Great, great intro to the show way to sponsor um get our sponsor out there also to whiskey in the wild go to whiskeyintheWild.com, which is my whiskey which is the best whiskey in the world it is a chocolate orange and chocolate whiskey i'm swear it is will be the best thing that you ever put on your palate as alcohol goes have you had it yet tim? have you had it yet tim oh i know and, and i need you to, i know you and reed Lowe, the former enforcer played for many years in the nhl and he works here in st louis i know you guys are working on it I can't wait till it comes to Missouri, buddy, because I'd love to try it. It's going to come soon. We're actually launching in uh, Illinois in March. I will be in Illinois, all over Illinois from the 11th until the 17th. And it's going to be in stores very soon. So we're very looking looking forward to that. Um, yeah, uh, you have some exciting news, buddy. I, you're you're not only not only doing the podcast, but you're venturing out into the business world. And obviously, your your niche is hockey. And you had a pretty interesting call the other day from uh, from from Dubinsky, which I would can't wait to hear. But um, yeah, he, he actually he actually heard about uh, your new business you got going in. You want to give it a little plug? Yeah. So we uh, we launched. Uh, we're just launching this week. It's a new neck guard. Uh, standalone neck guard, and then there's the undergarment with the neck guard. Oh, we got pictures of it with the yeah. uh, with the with uh, the the shirt with the neck guard sewn in. We had uh, when we started this, we had Ray Barilli, who's the longest tenured trainer. I love Ray, St. Louis man, one of the best guys in the world. He's the best. So we we hired Ray. We said uh, design us a jersey. That's that's the one with the Velcro and so on. We hired Ray. Ray designed it. We then have to get it tested, Jr. through the American National uh, Standards Institute. It's called ANSI. 
our rating came back in A9, um, which uh, War Road and some of our competitors are A6, A7. We came back in A9 as soon as the NHL saw our rating. National Hockey League approved us, and now we're cleared to sell uh, throughout the U.S. and soon in Canada. So it's, it's great. You know what? There's a shortage of it. Hockey USA, USA Hockey mandated it August 1st. So there's a big requirement for it, and uh, we're hoping to uh, help uh, young young players at least uh, stay a little safer on the ice. Yeah, well, especially nowadays with the, obviously with the awful passing um, uh, this this year of of uh, of Adam, yeah of Adam Johnson, it's um, it's really it, it needs I think. A lot of leagues are going to be looking to protect their players a little bit more. Hey, listen, when I played in, in juniors in the hall, we had to wear neck, neck guards. And it was only for one year. It was kind of crazy how it was only for one year. But um, I couldn't you know, believe you told me that story. They were way ahead of their time because nobody wore them back then, right? Yeah, they were way ahead of their time. But, um, you know, they it, it is it takes getting used to, and um, if the kids start with neck guards at a younger age and learn how to use them at a younger age, uh, it will be much easier for them, and it will be just part of the normal equipment once they get to the, you know, to the bigger ranks and the more dangerous ranks. To tell you the truth, obviously, younger kids um, maybe not not as um, it doesn't happen as much as it would be with the faster leagues with the bigger players, but. Um, it's nice to protect all kids, right? You know what's unbelievable is that we all we think of fast hockey and that's when it happens. It happened to a beer league guy in Toronto a few weeks ago. And and the the rink that he was playing on was hooked onto the Maple Leafs facility. And the medical trainer, they went and knocked on the Leafs practice room and the Leafs medical trainer came out and they saved the guy's life. This guy was a beer league hockey player. So I guess wow. it's wow. hurt. Yeah, and that's that's even more that's even more dangerous because they don't have trainers. That's exactly right. Um, you've heard of those those heroic stories of a doctor saving somebody that has a heart attack on the basketball court or something like that. And not everybody has medical, um, you know, expertise or any kind of training or education on that. So uh, anything you can do to kind of try to uh, to help everybody in every aspect of the game, in every age, every every discipline. Whether it's beer league or or peewees or bantams, I think it's again. Um, you just don't want to be that stat, right? You don't want to be that stat, and um, you know those stats are not good. So, um, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna head we're gonna head into the knock button, and we're going to bring on my one of my favorite people in the entire world, um, and I, I got to tell you, I I was sitting on the stage watching Chris Chelios's Jersey retirement. And I was in awe. I was in awe of the, the spectacle uh, that I think the setup, it was the, um, it was, it was absolutely amazing. And there, there's the man, there's the myth himself, Chris Chelios. Can you hear me, Chris? I can hear you, JR. Yep, I know. Uh, uh, so I am. I'm. I'm actually um, talking with Peelzy and Tim. You know Tim Peel from many, many years on the ice. Hey, um, Shelly. Shelly, I, I, I first of all, we we really thank you for coming on. Um, you know, I got goosebumps when you just showed up on my screen, and for a lot of reasons. 
Uh, you know how much I love you. But I got to tell you something. I've known you for a long time. Um, I've admired you. I've looked up to you. I've loved you for a long time. And I've never, never seen you perform the way that you did on Sunday in front of a mic, in front of 18,000 people. We talked before you you were going on. I asked if you were nervous. I asked if you were ready. You kind of, you know, yeah, as usual, you give it a very confident answer. But holy shit, buddy, you nailed, you nailed that speech. And I've never heard you talk better. And I've never heard you talk louder and more passionate. Take us back to Sunday. How'd it feel for you? I mean, I've been sleepless nights ever since, you know, they announced it back in September, quite honestly, and all about the speech, being in that situation, you know, honored, you know, with what was my jersey being retired, but again, dreading the speech. And then when I, you know, just before the, you know, the game and the ceremonies, when I saw you and Eddie in suits go up on stage with Pat Foley, I almost cried then. And I'm like, I don't have a chance, like. I'm going to lose it and I'm going to lose it early and I hope I can recover. But, you know, right before we drove out there with my mom, we were in that Cadillac and I looked at her and I said, Ma, you better not cry because if you cry, I'm crying. She goes, well, I ain't going to cry, but me up that she was angry about my dad you know, not being there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, it's for me, I think the speech itself talking about Chicago, you know, my teammates, the Blackhawks, that part was easy because I was from Chicago. And I think that was the most special thing about, you know, having my Jersey retired is in my hometown in front of all the kids I grew up with, my, my high school team, my, my peewee team. I bet they were all there, including included Wisconsin. So um, it, it couldn't have gone any better. And then obviously the best thing was watching all my friends celebrate at the parties and all the good time and wherever they were from, everybody got along. And I, I've tried to surround myself with good people like you, yourself, Chair, you, you, you've seen it. So it was, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Well, Chelly, first of all, congratulations. And, and Jared's right. You kicked the, 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 you kicked, oh, kicked your coverage on that speech. It was incredible. And you looked like Jared and I didn't wear black tonight on purpose, but you dressed up in that black. <laughs> and, and I, I went down because I know you own that car. And I know you drive around Chicago, but you just answered my question. That's a Cadillac. I was going to ask you. There's a picture of it. What what year is that, Shelly? And when did you get that? Because that car is kick ass. Okay, that was one of the hiccups in my speech. That one of the the papers stuck to the first one. So I bought that car off of Brett Hall in nineteen uh, whatever. It's a nineteen sixty two Caddy. But Brett, when he played for Detroit in two thousand one, two thousand two. The first day I saw him in that car, I go, you know what? That thing's going to break down, and I'm going to buy it off him. And I did. Um, <laughs> the whole story behind the Cadillacs is my mom and dad always had Cadillacs. So when I was seven, they bought a 68 Cadillac, and that's all we drove right till I was 15. And my dad took that Cadillac all the way to Australia and back when we thought we were going to you know, move there at one point in our lives. But the last day in that Cadillac, it was me and my mom on the way to hockey practice. She blew up the engine because she didn't know she had to put oil in the car. And <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of memories with Cadillacs, and I love that car. Well, one more thing about your speech. I love that you, you gave a shout-out to Patrick King. And, and you could tell that meant a lot to him, you know, and – I played golf. Uh, it was 83 degrees yesterday in St. Louis, Kelly, and I played golf with Panger. And Panger was telling me about just the atmosphere in the building 
uh, on Sunday. And even though the Blackhawks didn't win, he said you couldn't have written a better script. But a guy you give a shout-out to who will have his jersey in the rafters, like you said, scores the overtime winner. Like, he just you can't even make that up. It was unbelievable. No, it was perfect. I think the only one that maybe Kaner obviously – Stole my thunder, and maybe Cindy Crawford also. But <laughs> when she sunk that shot from center ice, it was crazy. But anyway, Kaner, like I said, we had spoken obviously uh, during the summer and after he had the surgery, and he was asking me about Detroit and what I thought. And you know, I was all in with Detroit. The ownership, Steve Eiserman, right? Playing with Larkin and Debrinket, it was just the perfect you know situation for him. And I'm sure glad he listened because it looks like. You know, he's going to get that team to, you know, hopefully get in the playoffs this year, and he's just going to keep going. And uh, he's such a great kid, and there's no question he will go down. I mean, Mike Madonna, great is great to me, but he'll be yeah. one of the best ever as far as Americans, and he's still going strong. Yeah, there's no. I, I said the same thing, Kelly. I said exactly the same words that you just said in relation to, to Patrick Kane. And it was really impressive and, and I think, heartwarming to watch the fans uh, the way that they they cheered him back, both for his little his first period um, honor honor video, and then afterwards after he scored the goal, and good for Patrick Kane to come out after everybody went off the ice, and 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 give one last lap around. I thought that was true class by him and true class by the by the Blackhawk fans to really, even though he just beat them on the scoreboard, you wouldn't have known it watching watching Patty Kane. Do that last lap around the United Center. Um, what you th- what you think when you saw that? I mean, it's like when I, I just compared and not comparing myself to Kaner, but that situation when I went to Detroit for the first couple of years, uh, we hadn't won the cup, and I didn't feel like part of that family. And I I don't think that the fans really accepted me uh, until I did win the cup. And that's how it is in cities. When you win a championship with a city, you know they love you forever, regardless. Yeah. So. Kaner winning three cups, you know, all the individual trophies, you know, being the player that he was in Chicago, there was no question in my mind that was going to happen. The the response that they gave Kaner, yes, the, the fans in Chicago, they can be brutally like, I guess the minute I bring up Kaner or Detroit, said the word Detroit, they started that chant and it was kind of funny, but that's great. I it up a little bit, got Kaner to laugh, which is kind of hard. Uh, he's a pretty serious <laughs> kid, but yeah. Like I said, you couldn't have written that, written that script any better. You, know, uh, you mentioned winning the Stanley Cup in Detroit, and uh, no big deal. You only did it when you were 46 and a half years old, which is which is incredible. But I remember, I remember. I want to ask you about T.R. Goodman and your and work your workout because I remember I was doing a playoff game. You were playing for Detroit, and I'm running on the treadmill in the gym at the uh, Renaissance. And I'm running beside Aaron Downey, and Aaron and I are probably trying to sweat out the 20 beers we had the night before. And, and you're in the you're in the sauna, and you're jumping out of the sauna, and you're jumping in the pool, and you're jumping back in the. And I go to Downey, I go, "What is he doing?" And then he kind of gave me a little history about that. How did that? There's Shelly riding the bike in the. How did how did you how did you first of all get introduced to T.R. Goodman? Because I know that kind of changed your physical fitness, right? Yeah, I, and I mentioned it in my speech. I, when I met Michael Jordan in, in the spring of, uh, what was it, 1991? Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I wanted to do everything he was doing. He would crush you know, 20-piece chicken McNugget. I'd do the same thing. He, whatever he <laughs> done, I was 
So I, you know, I found out that he had a trainer, Tim Grover. So, you know, I, I went to California the next year and I said, I'm going to get a trainer. That's what it's going to take to take me to the next level. And it was just by chance, you know, TR was training Alan May in the corner of the gym. It was somewhat like circuit training, like a boxer would train with a rope and, you know, different going from different stations. So I went over, introduced myself and I trained with him the next morning and I stayed with him right until 2010. So he, you know, what he did for me, he challenged me. Uh, he was, he was a very serious guy. And, uh, you know, I, there's no question that everybody asks the longevity, how long, how could you last that long? It was because of TR. And it, I, when I got hurt, you know, my recovery was you know, quicker than anybody. I, right. I ACL because my legs were so strong, you know, there was no movement. So, and I, I was so happy he missed the hall of fame because he rarely takes days off of work and doesn't like leaving the gym, but even him, he, this was special. So he was a part of it, and I was so, so happy that he could share it with me and be on the ice with me. You know what, Tim? That was Speaking of TR, um, at the Pacelli's party on Saturday night, it was the first time that TR had been in a bar in 10 years, in a bar, an actual bar. That kind of tells you what TR is all about. Shelly, I, um, I, w- I want to take you someplace a little bit different because I don't think many people know how close you were to not being a hockey player. Um you know, your, your family moved around a lot. Your dad was just, and, and God rest your dad, his soul, one of the greatest people on the planet and what he did for you and your family. And I've known him for so many years and I would have loved to have seen him see your, uh, your night the other night, but he moved you around a lot and you were in San Diego and literally, I don't know how old exactly you were. I maybe 14, 15, maybe 16, but you were on the beach surfing no hockey whatsoever. And that's how close you were to not being the iconic hall of famer that you are. Tell tell us a little bit about that story and how close you were to finding, being a a surfer for the rest of your life instead of a hockey player. Yeah. Look, the path I took and where I started and I'll start, you know, where I grew up in Evergreen park, no kids, like we skated in the, you know, on the outdoor park, you know, in the winters, but no one ever you know, joined an organized team. And my dad was old school. He's off the boat and he just thought you go to work, you go to school and that's it. And at the beginning, he wouldn't get me a pair of skates. It was actually my mom who got me the first pair of skates. And once my dad saw how much I loved it, you know, he finally we, we ran into a little money and he, you know, bought me my first legit pair of skates and started putting me on te- uh, teams and, you know, I started square team with them and in Chicago. And then I don't know if you can call it retired, but my dad moved our family to San Diego till when I was 15. And there's no yeah, hockey. Yeah. But let me ask you this question. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, Shelly, but what is, I heard, I heard part of the story. Did you, did, did you guys get on like a boat in San Francisco and take a, take a, take and take a, yes. I want to hear. Yes. Yeah. I was playing hockey and my dad says, we're moving to Australia. I'm going to feed the Vietnam troops their dairy and meat. I'm like, okay, well, hockey's over. We're moving to Australia. So, of course, the, the, the war ended two months later, and he's stuck holding the bag. My mom took all five kids, told him he's on his own, so we went right back to Chicago. So, <laughs> yeah, we had dreams. My dad and every one of them, you know, just fell short every time. And then the move to San Diego when I was 15, I didn't care, you know, quite honestly, that I wasn't playing hockey. I started surfing every day, but then in the wintertime, yeah, that's the past standard paddle, but 
wintertime, I'd go out there with no wetsuit and get rashes and freeze my ass off. And I decided <laughs> I sit at the beach and watch my guys until the summertime when it's a little warmer. And that's when I met Bobby uh, Parker, the kid that was playing for the university team. And I'd have been out, I'd been out of hockey for five months and not playing at all, not skating, attending university. And Bobby says, listen, you could play up in Canada. And I said, well, I did that last year. I got cut. I don't have any money. So, well, here's a phone number of the coach up there, Larry Billows. Call him. Maybe he'll give you a shot. That's what happened. So in Moose Jaw. In Moose Jaw. In Moose Jaw. Of all places. I never heard of Moose Jaw. But I went there two years. And then that's where, you know, my second year I got drafted. You know, from everything going wrong up, you know, my, most of my childhood with hockey and you know up to that point from that point on when i got drafted it just everything just escalated i grew two inches once you know in moose john wisconsin late bloomer and then it became a reality that i got shot to, to make the nhl did you uh, you were a defenseman also i mean a forward you're forward moving into weren't you a forward that was my whole life and then when you know, when I called the coach in Moose Jaw, I, I said, well, what position you need? He goes, well, we need defensemen. I said, okay, I play defense. And that's what I did. So then I went up there, and all I did was get the puck and skate. You know, if you, if you had the puck, you didn't have to worry about playing defense. So that, that's what I did. And as, you know, as I got older and I went to college, is really where I learned the position. I had a great st- uh, coach in Grant Stanbrook, uh, who was underneath Badger Bob Johnson at that time. And that's the two years where I got and learned really the position and he developed me. Okay, are you ready for this, Chelly? I know I'm going to throw this into the into the picture, but you said you grew and put some weight on. Oh, I don't know. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. There's no question, Jr. That's my Mount Carmel team, and 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 also I was the youngest kid in my class. My, if you're a smart parent, you hold your kid back so he's the biggest and oldest in the class. Correct. Well, my dad like, wasn't thinking that he wanted to go to school. But yeah, that's my coach, John Duran. Unfortunately, he died in a, a parachuting accident. And if there's one guy I really wish could have seen me turn pro and accomplish what I did, it was John Duran because he actually didn't play me. I, two years of high school, I was on the JV team, and my dad was all over him. But he basically told my dad, I'm not playing him. He's too small. I don't want him to get hurt. And then I ended up playing in the championship game, scoring both goals. Uh, uh, yeah, we won that uh, both goals. And then in the same day... My Phantom team, I have to drive an hour up to Waukegan from the south side and won the state championship with my AAA team. So crazy, you know, the stuff that happened. So yeah. in, this, in this picture real quick, the, the captain of this team who is sitting right underneath you, that's Steve yeah. Williams. That's Steve Williams. Steve Williams, I, I lived with Steve Williams' mom and dad when I got to Chicago at 18 years old. So I actually lived with them for my rookie year. And so and so on. He was on the team. It's just it's just unbelievable, Chelly. I it's just such a great story. Um, going from not being a hockey player anymore to playing twenty six years and doing what you did is it's remarkable, eh, Tim? Yeah, it's incredible, Chelly. You mentioned Grant Stanbrook. I hear I hear that name all the time uh, throughout hockey. And and uh, just a, a little tidbit, his son, John, I don't know if you've ever met John. Oh, yeah, John, I know the whole family, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So John actually teaches my son, Bronson. Bronson's 2012, and he teaches him here in St. Louis. And that hockey family is just incredible. But I want to take you back 
a little bit, and I, and I don't know if you if you want to talk about the story, but I, I I've always wanted to ask you what happened May eleventh, uh, nineteen eighty nine. You're coming down the left side in Philadelphia, and Hextall comes out of the crease and tries to decapitate you. Can you tell me what did what did you do, here's the video here what had you what had you done that pissed him off so much because we know Ron now off the ice and Ron's like the most quiet he's like a gentle just a gentle guy but what did you do that that promote that uh, got Hextall so worked up that he wanted to come out and take your head off? Well, a couple of games before that, that's the playoffs. I decapitated Brian Prop in Montreal, so that was just payback. You know, this game was over. The series was over. And Hexy, I mean, it's, it's it's odd, obviously, because he's a goalie and he come out and ambushed me. But we played against each other in junior, too. And those, all those Hex dolls got screws loose, right? But I have all the <laughs> utmost respect for your Hexy. And his uncle was around Detroit. We played, you know, senior games and his uncle would go after people. He's a real intense guy. But, yeah, and if you're looking at it right at the last second, I'm ready for Hexy. I see him out of the corner of my eye. And I'm ready to throw an elbow, but that big goof Samuelson kicks my feet, and I had to catch my balance. Oh you know, no! Really bad, but like I said, I love Hexy. You know, afterwards he thanked me for not saying anything bad. He still got ten game suspension for it, but uh, yeah, that was a good one. Brian Prop had broken my finger earlier in the season. I didn't say nothing, you know, but I, you know, it was payback, and I didn't mean to do what I did to that extent because a poor guy almost died. Like he bleeding out of both ends of his head. But anyway, that was why Hexy lost his mind. <laughs> Shelly, um, where, where, do you, where, do you, where does that come from? Where, where does you, you're the most passionate, your love for the game, your competitiveness. I mean, there was not a game where you were all in. There was not one game where it was, it was lazy. There was not one game where you didn't give everything. Like, there... <laughs> I don't know of anybody who played the game as hard and with as much passion, as much love for the game. And I, and I say this to everybody, where do you get that from? And, you know, who are some of the guys that, that pushed you the hardest that, that you struggled with in terms of, because you seem to have a lot of people's number, but was there anybody out there that you were just like, this guy is just a bastard to play against every single night. But I guess that's a two-folded question. But it kind of goes hand in hand with with. Well, the first one, I think I'm a product of my environment. Growing up on the south side of Chicago, you know, it has a reputation of being tough. Uh, the neighborhood the kids were really respectful, quiet, humble. If you weren't, you get you know someone's going to set you back in your place. And you know, I talked about it in my speech. My childhood hero was Dick Buckus. Now I was always the smallest kid in my class or on my team, so I wasn't physically you know, able to, you know, do what Dick Buckus did. But when I grew and I was the only American in the league in Moose Jaw for uh, the first year, there's only one other one the second. And I never had a fight in my eye, uh, on the ice in my life, but it was like survive or, you know, it was a survival thing. So I learned how to fight. And then, you know, once I got to pros, you know, everybody was tough back then. So you had to you know, show up and if someone challenged you, you had to, I wasn't a heavyweight by no means, but, you know, by that point, I learned how to take care of myself. And then, you know, one referee, not as many cameras, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I just, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't purposely try to hurt guys because I did. Um, I regretted it after a lot, but 
and then you talk about your arch nemesis, Dale Hunter. There's no question that guy got the best of me throughout my career. He blew out my knee twice. Even when I fought him, it looked like I won. I'd come out like a bobcat, like I was in a fight with a bobcat. <laughs> yeah, it's not a role that I enjoyed, but you know when I got to Chicago with Mike Keenan, you know that was that style of hockey, and he would call me in his office every day, and he would basically put a hit out on one of their players. And the one time he, you know, wanted me to go after Messier, I'm like. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, congratulations, Shelly, because there's another another Chelios joined the clan yesterday. Kaylee gave birth to yeah. beautiful Sophia. Uh, congratulations, buddy. You're another grandfather. And and I know you. That that Chelios family is gonna keep growing, but congratulations on Sophia being born yesterday. Yeah, and this is her sister Bella Lynn, right? We got a new sister. Yeah, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, congrats to Kaylee. She's doing a good job with the Blackhawks, Shelly. Yeah, I'm very proud of her. And that's so cool that I, you know, I got a kid that every game I'm at every game as an ambassador. Kaylee's up in the, you know, in the box and the studios and stuff, and it's she's great at it. I mean, I guess you know she worked her ass off too. Five years of you know mm. journalism at Northwestern. She was a terrific athlete too. So um, I'm just like happy that she's the Blackhawks have given her an opportunity. And Tampa got that's where she got her foot in the door. Right. You know, when right. that's Tampa had and the Stanley Cups, it, it really got her a chance to put herself on the map. How cool, how cool is that, Shelly? You talked about Tampa. John Cooper and Blashell, after playing the afternoon game in New Jersey, the Tampa coaches fly to Chicago and come to your after party. If that doesn't show you the respect and how much you're loved, that, that's just, that was incredible to me. I mean, how did you feel when you saw those guys at the United Center? I kind of, I, you know, I couldn't believe it, quite honestly, because I knew they had played that afternoon, and I, I knew they had to you know, be somewhere. And they were texting me you know, a couple days before, apologizing. They, they couldn't make it. And I was with Cooper and Blash till four in the morning after the game Sunday with my son, my daughter, Brett Seabrook, and it was great. And I think I drove them back to their hotel and, you know, pretty much ran every red light in the city. Uh, I was going to get a ticket that night, but... uh, you're not, you're not getting you're not getting a ticket any night. You're not getting a ticket any night in Chicago. Shelly, you were smart. You were smart in your speech. You thanked the policemen and the first responders. But hey, listen, you got you got to give them a shout out. And I was texting with Coop the next day, and I'm like, "You're a beauty. Like he will not miss a party. He's like FOMO, like for fear of missing out." And I loved it that. But like Jr. says, it just shows the respect that they have for you. It's incredible. Yeah, I had a lot of good friends, and then, you know, like I said, I, I tried to surround myself with good people my, my whole life, and I mean, every one of them showed up, so that was really cool. Well, it, it probably that's not a good thing, because I want to ask you one question. It's going to be a quick question, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but that dinner at Chicago Cut on Saturday night was one of the most unbelievable dinners I've ever seen. Tony Monty and our wives sat down at the table, and there was a food, a seafood tower on every single table. There was a, a bottle of Camus on every table. We're sitting there going, holy shit, who's paying for this? Don't tell me you paid for that whole dinner by yourself. Well, we had to take a couple of pictures with a couple of bottles of Camus with Eddie, but yeah, we, we got a pretty good deal. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. 
I'm not going to lie. No. And Chicago cut, honestly, they took care of everything. Dave Flom, Matt Moore. Wow. And they, they hit it out of the ballpark. And like you said, Jared, everybody couldn't believe. And it was a quick thing because we get we had to move to the next party and we needed to get out of there so he can get the next crowd into his regular business. So it worked out perfect. It was one of the best dinners, one of the best parties I have ever seen. And you want to, Tim, you want to talk about like, just clockwork, bang, bang, food came out, bang, bang, people eat, people talking, Shelly says this thing, boom, out onto the next thing. It was incredible. Um, Tim, ask, I'll give you one more, and then I'm, I'll ask the last one, and we'll let Shelly get back to his beautiful family. I'm good, Jer. I, uh, I, I just, All right. I okay. I, I'm so happy for you, Shelly. It was a great night. I know my dear friend Kelly Chase flew up uh, as well, and uh, – and uh, which was incredible, but uh, no, thank you very much. I know uh, you took time out of your busy day. I'll let Jr. take it from here. Oh, thank you. And we're All right. So paper, obviously, I mean, he's got a charity game coming up in St. Louis in about a month. So any of you guys out there listening, any of you NHL guys, uh, get a hold of Chaser and show up for this event. Are, are you going to be there by any chance? Absolutely. You know, okay. Yeah. So, so Derek Amell, the former uh, NHL linesman, him, him and I are going to officiate the game. So we'll uh, we'll have a few beers and uh, up. it'll be great. It's amazing. Uh, so, Chelly, last question. You, there's so many things that you've done. That somebody, whether on the ice, off the ice. Um, what's tell me? Tell me your fondest moment. Tell me. Tell me what you're most proud of. Your found, fondest moment. Twenty six years in the National Hockey League. You've done a lot of stuff, but. There's got to be one or two things that you're most proud of, or, or you remember the most. What would what would be what would be the first thing that comes off your brain? I mean, the championships, the Stanley Cups, neither better than the other. Just winning in front of a city with your teammates. There's nothing like it. You know, you're bonded forever when you win a Stanley Cup. And then I think back of my eight and a half years with uh, Chicago. Uh, you know, you were there, Jr. That that All Star game, you know, at home, you know, representing the Blackhawks, Gulf War, the, the flags, the yep. you know, Wayne Messmer singing the national anthem. I think that put the old Chicago Stadium on the map. You know, everywhere from that point on. And then going to the finals, as much as it hurt, you know, would have loved to finish, you know, finish the job. But you can't have everything. You know, that would have been a perfect career. Had I won a Stanley Cup, you know, in Chicago, but you know, the hometown thing really does play a big you know, role in my heart. And um, the good thing is, I'm still with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, Connor Bedard. They're going to build around him, and I still got a shot at winning a Stanley Cup. You know, being part of the Chicago Blackhawks. What? That, what? Uh, and I'm sorry, I, I could just keep going. What did the '96 World Cup mean to you? Well, I mean, you know, you could talk to talk and say we're as competitive as is Canada, but. That was the only time, you know, we beat them and came out on the right end. You know, Olympics was, you know, amazing in 2002, but came up short there. Uh, but that 96 team, those are guys, JR, we played, you know, you know, most of our careers with. Like about 14 years, three Olympics with some of them. Uh, and, and to do that in Montreal with that group of guys, uh, and it, it, was, it was a great feat for us. And we still have bragging rights on that. Still bugs the Canadians so much that we beat them, you know, in their own barn. And we, we and yeah. it was really special with Ron Wilson and, and the rest of those guys. And uh, I'll never forget that. And anytime, 
you know, you play for your country, Jared. We both had our opportunities. Yep. You're lucky. You're one of 22, 23 guys that represent your, your country. And I never took it for granted. And uh, it, it was just an amazing feeling, the support. And the visiting teams, uh, buildings where we played those games, because they sure hated us when, you know, when we were with the Blackhawks. It's unbelievable. I, you know, I, listen, I know I said one more, but one more. Chris yeah. Chelios, Chris Chelios back in his, in his heyday. He needed some advice, hockey advice. He's looking to one person for to give him the right the right advice on what you're looking for. Who who is that person? I mean, I think back when I was getting traded from Chicago, and as much as my dad, you know, loved the Blackhawks, he he literally we sat down after they made me play forward. You know, Dirk Graham put me on a line with Reed Simpson and Bob Probert. And it, I felt it was like it was almost an embarrassing moment as a captain, you know, in that, yeah. in that position. And and then they were saying I couldn't bring my kids to the ring. So we sat down, my dad, and my dad said, look, at, I want you to stay here. I want you to be the Blackhawk, but you got to go. You know, you still got some hockey in you. And go out with some dignity, go out with some class, and and, and ask to be traded. So that my dad, and I, I don't think I would have done it without his support. And uh, it ended up being, you know, a really good decision for me and the Blackhawks. What a way to finish. Finish with your dad. It was where it started and where we should finish. So, Chelly, I love you. I love you to death. I can't thank you enough for coming on with us um, after an awesome weekend. I know you've been extremely busy, and especially with, with Sophia coming into the world yesterday. So, congratulations again. Uh, I appreciate it, Chelly. I love you to death. And, um, Congratulations again. I can't say it enough, and I can't wait to my next trip back and, and join you at 4 o'clock in the morning someplace else. Thank you, Jared. Obviously, you're one of my best friends and teammates, so love you. Take care of you guys. Thank you. Okay, bye. buddy. Right. Say bye, Tim. Bye-bye. See you, buddy. Seriously, Tim. Like, come on. Come, come on, on, man. Come on. Come on. Stop the show right now. Like, the guy is just a... He's unbelievable. He is such a cool character. He he exudes charisma. He exudes everything that you want to embody in a person and a hockey player. Um, incredible. I, I can't wait. You know what? Can't, I'm, I I know he was coming to St. Louis for that alumni tournament on on uh, April. I can't wait to see him and have a beer with him. And and he's just an incredible person. You got to play with him. Now. Yeah, even that, even even you know, Rock and Reese said that was epic. You know, said was. that was freaking epic. It was epic. The whole Chelly, Chelly, Chelly is epic. His career was epic. Um, it was pretty. It was pretty unbelievable. Well, I love what Tre- Trevor Harris said on the on the chat here. He goes, "More people showed up to Chelios' ceremony than the Bulls' Ring of Honor." It's uh, he's he's loved in that city. You know what? An incredible thing to be able to to. You're born in Chicago. Your, your childhood team is the Blackhawks, and then the team that you play for, and uh, they they retire your jersey. Like, I don't know. But only two, only two players, only two people in the history of Chicagoland that were born and raised in Chicago have their numbers retired in Chicago for their respective teams, and that's Chris Chelios and his idol Dick Butkus. Unbelievable, and I thought it was really un- unbelievable because that was his idol growing up was Dick Butkus. He said it many, many times, and he told the story during his speech how 
and Chelly would go to the Russian bathhouse, and he still does every single morning. He goes to the Russian bathhouse, and he then he's and he's in the sauna. He's doing push-ups and sit-ups uh, daily. And Dick Buckus, who passed away earlier this year or late last year, um, as he walks into the Russian bathhouse, Dick Buckus' grandson and and son or nephew are in the bathhouse and see him. Like Dick Buckus's grandson is right there standing in front of him. It's almost the day he's getting his number retired. It's it's almost like a, a sign from God that Dick was saying congratulations. Yes, that's unbelievable. You told me that story. I, I couldn't believe it. That, that how does that happen? Like you say, it is. It's a sign from God. It's, it's just unbelievable. All right. Well, let's talk about signs from God. We've always talked about um, Connor McDavid being a sign from God as as being the best player of all time. However, Connor McDavid is having a really hard time scoring goals. Now, if I told you that Connor McDavid hadn't scored a goal in ten games, would you believe that? No, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd say you're full of crap. It's unbelievable. He uh, like he, what? Did you just see that? Anybody who's trying to watch, who's watching live right now, just saw Connor McDavid on a penalty shot, literally loses the puck and doesn't even get a shot on net. This is the best player in the history of the game. It could happen to anybody, but this is the kind of slump he's in. You know what? He, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a wild guess and say he breaks out of it soon. And, you know, he's the type of player, JR. When he breaks out of it, he'll score four in one game. He just missed an empty net goal from the hash marks. Like, <laughs> like that's like missing a two-inch putt on the golf course. This is this is stuff that if you gave Connor McDavid a million, ten million more pucks, he wouldn't miss one. Oh, he and wouldn't. he missed and he missed this net. This I'm telling you, when you go in slumps, it gets in your head. You know what? I just thought of it. I think I found. I, I know what's going on. That's that's as bad as Charles Barkley's golf swing. He he got engaged. She is inundating him with wedding questions right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, venue, what what what? Where are we going? The venue, the menu. What are we wearing? She's probably wearing him out, and I'm obviously kidding, but probably well, that, that, that could be the only thing maybe that hurts Connor McDavid as becoming the greatest player of all time is getting married and having a woman in his life tell him what to do. I'm not saying anything bad about being married, but hey, listen, you saw Ricky happened to Ricky Fowler when he got married, and all of a sudden he fell off the map for a little while. He had to learn how to play again. So um, it's the you know the women that they can't live with him, he can't live without him, but they are the most important part to the to the puzzle. I think Connor just has to learn that aspect <laughs> well he'll break out of it i think uh he might do it tonight they're home to st louis and uh the st louis blues are on a bit of a slide so this could be the night he does it yeah well, home in edmonton so well it's but it's but it's important because listen con mcdavid does have 23 assists in the 10 games that he has not scored so he's averaging over a point over two points a game which is Absolutely incredible. He actually has the opportunity to be only the second player in NHL history to get over 100 assists, Wayne Gretzky being that guy who did it back in 1991, but which is a special accomplishment. And he's the second fastest player ever to get 70 assists in a season behind Mario Lemieux, who did it in 50 games, 70, points, 70 assists in 50 games. It's crazy. But, however, the team's not winning every game. The team is one game under 500. 
with Connor McDavid not scoring. So even though he's getting assists, they need Connor McDavid to score goals in order to win hockey games. Yeah, they do. They do. Hey, listen, I want to touch on Winnipeg. They have won four in a row. They're back. They went into a little slump. But yesterday, the commissioner, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, flew to Winnipeg and met with uh, Mark Pittman and the owners. And you and I talked about this a few months ago, and I had brought it up how the attendance in Winnipeg, I think the building holds right around 14 and a half, maybe stretch it to 15. And they're getting like 9,500 right now. I am not surprised by this, and for a couple reasons. They don't have the corporate sponsorship in a, in a small city like Winnipeg, okay? They, they rely on the season ticket holders. Well, guess what? People are hurting right now. The economy sucks in Canada as it does in the U.S. And these people, these farmers and hard blue-collar workers, just don't have the money to, to dole out for a, a Winnipeg Jets game. And I think it's a big problem in Winnipeg. Like, this is what happened years ago, J.R., What's going to happen in Winnipeg? Well, I and listen, and you know the commissioner and Gary Bettman is going to give Winnipeg huge props in terms of their fan base, and they do have a big fan base. There's no question. I've been up there for the playoffs. There's oh, almost as there's almost as many people outside the arena watching on the jumbotron as there are inside the arena. Right. So, and yes, the economy has a hard effect on a lot of different aspects of sports. And up there, that's one of the main reasons why Winnipeg went to Arizona in, in 1996 is because that, that so many people couldn't afford the tickets anymore and the, and the fans just were trying. It wasn't that they weren't supporting the Winnipeg Jets because they do. You see what they what it used to be like in the playoffs. The, they created the whiteout, one of the greatest spectacles in all of playoff hockey. They are passionate, that, but you're only – you only can do so much in support when your pocketbook or your wallet doesn't allow you to be in person. And and I, I've always said, and, and by the way, the NHL is not helping out the situation by charging the amount of prices that they do. And they can't help that in Winnipeg because they have a huge salary that they have to, they have to keep up on. Now, I don't know how the revenue sharing works in the National Hockey League and whether Winnipeg does get some relief on the revenue share, which I'm sure that they do, but it's, it's still not enough to um, to overcompensate what is happening in, in the market right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Mark Chipman, Chipman is hoping that uh, that they expand over the next year or two because that's an extra 20, 30 million in the owner's pockets, but it's a problem. It's a thing that we'll, we'll monitor and we'll talk about, uh, you know, We'll follow up with it in the next few months and next year. But I want to talk about, uh, and it was it was Chelly's last team he played with uh, and winning a cup at 46 and a half years old is absolutely incredible, right? Like, you, you know, you played this game. You know what it takes to play in the National Hockey League. But the Detroit Red Wings have won six games in a row right now. Patty King, who had that type of hip surgery that is really, really – rare to come back and 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 perform at a high level certainly at a high level that he is is used to is tearing it up he's playing incredible but i don't think any of us should be surprised jr that that steve eiserman who you and i both have a tremendous amount of respect for i think detroit's a, I, I think steve would admit that detroit's a little bit ahead of the curve 
and where they thought they would be. Yeah, it's not surprising me because Detroit in the beginning of the season had a had an amazing start, and they were they were flying high in the, in the beginning. They had a little a little spell. They had some injuries and and kind of fell off the map a little bit. But they're making a great push at the end of the season, winning hockey games. Patrick Kane is lightning hot right now. I mean, his points are just soaring. He's one of the hottest guys in the National Hockey League. If you look at his points per game, um, it's 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 impressive and. This team is going to be very good. I think they are going to be Stanley Cup contenders in the next five years. Uh, right. we're, watch, we're watching Patrick Kane's overtime goal in Chicago. And to, 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 for a lefty to go far side roof over the glove is one of the hardest shots on a breakaway. Patrick Kane made it look easy and then did the Showtime celebration. That's just what the, the type of player. That's the type of player that six, that Detroit has, and the effect that um, that Detroit is going to be able to. Uh, I think keep this up throughout the regular season. Uh, they are going to make a push, and they're they're going to. Steve Eisman has them believing that they are going to be a, a team to be reckoned with. It's it's pretty fun to watch. Well, you know what? They're only two points behind Toronto, buddy. That's unbelievable. Toronto's got seventy. Yeah. Detroit's got seventy-two. Very impressive. Yeah, um, and and Toronto just got shellacked last night by Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Speaking of speaking of Toronto, on Saturday the Toronto Maple Leafs play the New York Rangers, and why is that important? Because the New York Rangers have what, probably one of the most popular people in the in the National Hockey League right now, especially via social media, and that's and that's Mister uh, Rempe. Matt Rempe. Now now, now Matt Rempe. In his first game, which we're seeing right here, which is the outdoor game, he's 21 years old. Matt Martin says, hey, let's go, kid. The kid's 6'7". He's got a reach bigger than Zdeno Chara, according to Matt to Matt yeah. Martin. Yeah. And this kid, this kid is taking the league by storm fight-wise, not playing-wise. He has had four of the best bouts that we have seen in the last 10 years <laughs> over the last five games. And people are talking about him all over the National Hockey League. There's some people that are saying, you know, the people that were saying fighting is not needed in the game anymore. We don't need this stuff. Or are, are are sitting there praising this kid and saying, "Wow, what a fight!" And then he fought Delorier in Philly. He fought Olivier in the um, in. I think well, the only uh, we'll see it. They're seeing the fight right now with Olivier. Um, probably the only guy that got the best of them. But the fights that this kid is having is bringing back some real good memories of me and bringing back some old school into, I think a sport that needs this right um, now for the fans in, in the arena. You, you know what I think? I think it's awesome. It's awesome. Matt Rempe, six, seven throwing bombs. One went off his shin the other day. He got, he got the winner in this game right here against Philadelphia. He got the, the second. Goal. I mean, this fight, this fight against Delorier might have been the fight of of in the best fight in the last five years. I mean, this is old school nineteen seventies. Just absolutely knock your head off, punch for punch. Um, this is this is as good as you get in any kind of sport fight. This fight with Gloria and Rempe in Philly last week, and the kid came in after the game. He had bruises all over his face. He had a smile on, and and the the fans went crazy. This is what they want to see. I, I was in a, a Chicago Blackhawks. They're kicking behind me, and they're they're saying, fight, fight, fight. They're 10 and 11 years old. Fight, fight, fight. Not knowing that they don't fight anymore. But this Rempe is bringing it back and making it popular. 
you know what? He is becoming he is becoming a legend in New York right now. And he's brought a, he's brought an element of, of toughness that maybe the New York Rangers needed, right? Like they're you know they didn't really have that type of player. But I, I read a quote today from John Scott, who was the former fighter in, in the National Hockey League, and he had a really good point. He said, "As tall and as long a reach as Rempe has, he needs to learn to protect himself. He's taken way too many punches. Like those, you know, he probably is is." four inches at least maybe five taller than olivier with a longer reach he's got to somehow protect himself and i, I give him credit but he's taking a lot of blows place. well you can't you can understand why right because a kid's 21 years old he's been fighting against inferior inferior talent over right. the over his first 21 years now he's up and he's up against the big boys he's in the he's in the national hockey league fighting against guys that are stronger guys that are better, guys that are more talented, and he's fighting with his emotion. And he's literally just throwing bombs and just wanting to knock somebody out, and he's, and he's energized. He's, not, he's, he's, he's fighting with his emotions. He's not fighting with his head. And he has to find a way, he has to, find a way to just t- take a breath, be a little bit more choreographed, be a little bit strategized a little bit better, where he grabs, where he grabs on. I think he's, he's got to be smarter with the amount of punches that he throws and – and literally just think about the, his safety more than just just a helter-skelter, let's go at it, Chinese fire drill sort of situation. And um, let get, you guess, I'm going to let you guess, who do you think I want to see him fight? And, I wanna, I, and I'm going to say, I, I will make sure that I don't miss this game. Who do you think I want to see him fight? Well, if you're anybody like me, the guy who's been doing nothing but talking and talking about how everybody is not so tough and I didn't like this guy and I am the, you know, I'm the tough guy of the league. And that's, that's our guy right up there in Toronto. Is it my right? Ryan Reeves. Yeah. I want to Ryan Reeves in Toronto. You know, I knew you were thinking of Ryan Reeves. Do you think, do you think Ryan Reeves is going to, is, is actually going to come up to him on Saturday and say, okay, kid, now it's time. Now it's time to hit the hit the uh, hit has, the real deal. He has to. Ryan Ryan has given himself kind of the crown that he's the best and toughest fighter in the league. So I think Reeves has to. Reeves is the guy that's got to go and challenge him and say, "Oh, you you know you think you're the big boy on the block right now? Well, guess what? I'm still the I'm still the silverback gorilla here, and uh, and and I'm gonna you know rip your head off." But I'm not so sure. I don't know. I'm not so sure that that uh, uh, Ryan Reeves wants a, wants a piece of this kid. But it got, it's. He, I think he's got to challenge him. Well, listen, Matt Martin challenged him. I think for a little respect. Um, and Ryan Reeves, I think that he was brought in for that toughness, and I think he's done a lot of squawking. And now I think he needs to uh, needs to show why he why he he feels he can talk the way that he talks um i really i really hope rempy gives him a gives him a, a, a an ass beaten i think that would be i think that would be amazing i'm gonna watch that game too on saturday there's no question about it mm-hmm. um um and so far so far tonight because the uh, rematch rangers columbus right now uh delore um olivier and um and Rempe have not fought yet tonight, so we'll see if they have a rematch tonight. Because you know Rempe took a beating uh, in the last fight with Olivier. Um, all right, no. last la- last topic. We're gonna, we gonna. I didn't what? know Olivier was that tough. God, is he tough? Holy wow, is he tough? 
Uh, I mean, we're seeing some things we haven't seen in the National Hockey League in a long time. And let me tell you something. I love it. I love it too, buddy. So um, one thing we haven't seen in a long time is what um, is what Nate McKinnon is doing in Colorado right now. The guy has a 29-game home scoring streak. Think of that. He has... <laughs> He has a point in 29 straight games at home. Now, listen, it's one thing to be a homer. I don't think you would call Nate McKinnon a homer, but wow. he sure is acting like one right now. 29 games, the guy has 61 points in 29 games. Over two points a game for 30 games is an absolute, is a disgusting, disgusting stat, if you ask me. And Nate McKinnon I wouldn't want to go play in, in Colorado right now, knowing the streak that this kid is on. And I, he has a chance to catch Gretzky, which is at 40. He's only 11 games away. Does he do it? You know what? I I, I wouldn't bet against it, right? I wouldn't bet against it. He, he, might, he might do 50. Like, the, the kid, Nathan Finn and the dog is unbelievable. His What he can do, and we're seeing videos here, but what he can do, at full speed, like Connor McDavid, is absolutely incredible. He is obviously one of the – he's top – I think top three, four players in the league. It's him, Kucherov, McKinnon, Matthews, uh, and, and McDavid. Really, they're the top four players. Yeah, but none of them possess the sheer power, speed, and, and aggressiveness that Nate McKinnon possesses. None of them have it. Nate McKinnon has – so much more dynamic physically and and power than any three of them than, than Matthews Kucherov or McDavid. When I re- when I was refereeing him, it was tough to you had to kick yourself in the in the ass sometimes and go, okay, you're here, you're you you got a job to do because you get mesmerized watching him skate and stick handle and compete. His compete level is high. His compete level is high. I don't think Austin Matthews, and I love Austin Matthews, and I love, you know, you and I talked last week or the week before how we think he's the purest goal scorer in the but I don't think he's got the compete level that Nate McKinnon has. Nate McKinnon right now is incredible. He is, and Luch just said on the chat line that uh, Natushkin just got cleared uh, to practice, so he could be coming back. That's another. That's going to be another beast for Colorado. I, I put them as my odds-on favorite to win the cup. I'm saying that right now. I said it. I said it three months ago. But we're going to watch. Let's, let's make sure we watch that Nathan McKinnon hunt for 40 games in a row and that elusive. Gretzky yeah. record of 40 games in a row with a point at home. But that was a great show. I want to thank Chris Chelios. What an epic, epic guest, wasn't he? Unbelievable. It was just fantastic, Tim, wasn't he? Buddy, it was a great show, and, and we love Chelly, and it was just it, 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 I love you, and it was a phenomenal show. Yeah, well, thanks to our, our sponsors, Bet Online, also with uh, Whiskey in the Wild. Uh, make sure all you guys go to wherever you get your downloads on your on your podcasts. Caffeine TV is a great place to get your get your uh, your podcast work. We love Caffeine TV. Believe. Thanks for all the work you do for us, and thanks for all the everybody joining the chat line and joining Snipes and Stripes right here on Wednesday, seven o'clock Eastern Time, four percent four p.m. Pacific. We will see you Monday for our Snipes and Stripes Weekend Edition. Timmy, I love you. Have a great weekend. Yeah.